hackfreemusic.com. Hello and welcome to the Hack Inc. podcast. Uh, I can't think of any glib thing to say with the word hack in it today. Uh, this is Gareth Lyons and I'm joined by Steve Woods. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> Respond, Steve. Yeah. Positively. Um, so, Steve Woods, uh, does he need an introduction? Does he? You know? <laughs> um, what do you like to be I called a, then, I've basically? I've got an identity crisis today, so I'm not You're like sure a, you're a director and an animation yeah. all-rounder. I work, I work in... Uh, yeah, the big thing is I was around at the beginning, I suppose. Yeah. And... Um, and uh, my, I really love cut out cartoons. That's what mm. animations. That's what I did in the beginning. And uh, so I have some animation skills, and I've worked as a director, both in animation and live action, and as a mm. producer in live action and animation as well. And um, I teach. I teach in Dunleary. I taught in Ballyfermot during the great first three years, two years anyway, and um, <clears throat> got to know all those people who went on to form uh, companies. Mm. And uh, oh, it was really interesting to watch that over the years as well. Yeah, well, I think it's more of like a broad kind of, uh, you know, you're, it's like the Forrest Gump of anime, <laughs> where I'm looking at uh, your... Yeah, it's a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things went over my head yeah. during the time, yeah. But yeah. a lot of stuff did. I mean, I was, yeah. like, I was there at the beginning. Of course, yeah. animation starts before me as well, um, obviously. I mean, we, yeah. we, you know, the animation industry and the film industry had really strong beginnings in Ireland, you know. Yeah. So they were making great silent movies here in the 1910s, and... Was that for... Mm-hmm. Was that for anything in particular? Was that for any reason in particular? Like, was it like... No, I, well, it, there was a great cultural revival in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the cultural revival in Ireland, I mean, I, that um, recent documentary in Hugh Lane made the point that for the beginning of the 20th century... Dublin had uh, was ahead of London in innovation, you know, yeah. in the arts. It was like, you know, interesting visual arts and interesting th- performance arts going on. Yeah. So it's hardly surprising that those that American brothers came over here and actually to Kerry, uh, the Calum brothers, isn't it? Yeah. And started making um, successful filmmaking in, in uh, the silent era. And, and of course, they had a market, an Irish-American market in in America, which was probably even more, because it was shot on location in Ireland, had more, you know, traction for the American uh, Irish. Sure. And um, they were very successful, and they were picking up lots of lots of people who were getting great great uh, experience. Mm. And indeed, at the same time, there was, um, or even earlier, the Horgan brothers in Yall, County Cork, got their hands on a Lumiere projector, projector yeah. and started showing Lumiere sort of documentaries for the one of a better word early early films which were very popular so they actually set up a cinema or a picture house of some sort is that the, they might have reopened that like in a, or not reopened it but like refurbished it in a big way and opened it again because we oh, i was down weird. in y'all recently and we went to the cinema um yeah actually i should say as well like uh you back in we were we actually mentioned this just on the last podcast but not man in uh uh, it, well, sorry, I'll explain a bit. But basically, you know, in Annecy, when it was the Ireland's year mm. for that, um, as I was, I was telling you just before we started, we we just recently recorded an episode where we were talking about um, basically Captain Planet and like that kind of 
a foreign depiction of Ireland, you know. So we brought up the idents from Annecy of that year, which were made over in like uh, Goblan and all this type of stuff. And they always had like they no, no, they're, they're normally made in Goblan, but we yeah. made them in Dunleary. And oh yeah, we uh, made some as well. Yeah, yeah for, for the Irish show, yeah. But the French, when the French ones that they made, also oh, yeah. they made these ones where it was for like, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, you know, taking place in like Belfast and people throwing like petrol bombs and stuff, and it's like, yeah, Annecy and it's like oh god like but yeah anyway the, the point I was trying to get at is that the ones that you uh, were getting uh, our I think our year to make was um, or other years as well uh, but I was there at the time was using the Horgan Brothers clock tower That's which right. was like you know so that was in my mind and then I'm walking down the street and y'all yeah, and you see it and it's like that was the first and I also wanted to raise the profile of that because that was probably made in 1909 which is like really up there with yeah uh, uh, humorous phases of funny faces by Stuart mm. Blackton. What was 1906, I think, and also the, you know the first animation, which was Phantasmagory by um, Emil Cole, which I think was it was 1907. Yeah. So then you've got him doing this stuff two years later, and, and what he did was he took the projector. He realised that a projector and a camera aren't much different. Yeah. So he rigged the projector up to be a camera, and he started illegally taking his own footage. Of, yeah. Yeah. Um, of uh, just local events, and he did this experimental film, uh, which was a cut out, which was a model animation, mm. and it, it could have gone on. The, the reason why, just like, just like the live action didn't go on uh, when the Free State was founded, yeah, it was very, very suspicious of the arts. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, like, like loads of people um, had to leave Ireland, you know, and loads of censorship, even censorship in the Irish language, you know, and. Um, it was in banned books and all that type of stuff. And that just went of through course, the whole arts. Yeah. And the thing of it was, was they had seen what the Cultural Revolution had done. Mm. It, it, it woke people up to yeah. the, mis, you know, the, the, the badness of British rule. And so they rose up violently against it. And they were afraid that yeah, the yeah. cultural revival, you know, the way that well, cinema holds mm. a mirror to society, that, that they would rise up and then overthrow <laughs> the free state. You know? It is funny how that happens because, like, there was, I was hearing something recent, I was listening to some podcast recently anyway, and they were talking about how, um, you know, um, that the Catholic Church and all these figured this out pretty early on about the power of art. So what they would do That's is right. they would use images to tell the stories mm -hmm. because a lot of people at well, that the time Catholic couldn't Church read, were you know. Right behind <laughs> yeah. the Irish Film Society, which became the Irish Film Centre. Really? Yeah, it was, a, it was a Catholic. The whole That's film, so the only yeah. people making movies at one point were, or at least were trying to control movie making in Ireland, were, were the Catholic Church. Mm. When you think about it too, Ryark went on when RTE was established. Yeah. And they made some good films, actually. And yeah, were, yeah. There was no priest kind of event. I watched, um, I mean, this is kind of, I'm, you know, I've got very patchy kind of knowledge of stuff because I'm from Galway. And so, uh, and also I read, I was looking up uh, your uh, information to get in touch and I found your CV online <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. on your website. I might get a job. Yeah. So CV online. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, there was, I didn't realize that you were kind of uh, there. You were also there, obviously, at the start of the Galway Film Flat and things mm, like this. Yes, like, right, yeah. so, so like, um, but that was like hugely influential for me. It kind of it's it's it led to, you know, because I'd be watching mostly like this American stuff or whatever, and then all of a sudden you'd be watching like uh, Putching, you know, and stuff like this, mm -hmm. and then um, by Bob, it was Bob Quinn, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and and um, yeah, set, set up the flowers as well, actually. yeah, and he and just all these kind of. Um, things that didn't get as much profile or much of a spotlight and, and well, I mean, well, they, might, they might have done... It's, it was, it's in, you worse know. than that, Gary. Yeah. There's a massive black hole, a gap yeah. between 
this false dawn of of early anim- animation and early yeah, action sure. to nothing. I mean, really nothing. Uh, in the nineteen, I think around nineteen forty-eight, there was a Liam O'Leary who actually is a Yal man as well. Hmm. and made a film called Our Country, where he showed the poverty of the country. Yeah, and it was made as a shortment in front of movies, and it, it was associated with Clan Republic, though, who were a very very radical party. Yeah, and they um, they're responsible for getting rid of TB and planting forests. And yeah, they also yeah. uh, said we want a film industry because their film our country helped get them elected they saw the connection between film and politics and imagery and all that kind of stuff mm. so really from from 19 i'm going to say the late 1910s to the late 1940s there was no films made yeah. in ireland really or nothing the, the irish film society which i just mentioned which was a catholic church yeah kind of sponsored thing it would be you know they, they weren't totally all over it i think a bit like the way they controlled national schools yeah. and stuff. um they had some animation workshops in uh, the 1940s and made some... You could see people were learning and experimenting, but they weren't making anything substantial, not narrative or anything. Or at yeah. least if they did, they didn't survive. And then nothing happens, you know? Nothing happens. It, it might be good to mention that the Clan of Public did set up Ardmore, and Ardmore hmm. then would have been making Irish movies. Yeah. But what has happened was that Clan of Public got kicked out of power, and the actual person who cut the... the uh, there was a Fianna Fáil government that cut the ribbon on Ardmore, because it was finished then, and uh, I think it was Lamas actually, who wasn't the worst. Mm. And um, but they became service industry for Americans and British to of come course. over and make films yeah. in Ireland. So you had a bit, you didn't have the yeah. accurate kind of touch. When was Ardmore open? Sorry, uh, 1957. Okay, sorry. So, yeah. so and also the reluctance then was also reluctance to set up a TV station mm. because again they were afraid if we have TV drama. Yeah. Uh, and so they actually even even before the troubles in the north, they started reining in radical thinkers in um, so yeah. people like Bob Quinn uh, worked in RTE but he felt it constricted there so he left mm. and set up a, a company in the Geltacht yeah. and made things like you said putching which he raised together you know with a, with a you know, prayer winging a prayer yeah. really you know the, um, so it really not until the first film board which I'm not quite sure when that was established I'm going to mm, say I could look it 1982, up 1982, 83 yeah. it's actually Michael Algar who went on to have a okay, as right. a producer in animation set it up um, so I remember going with the first film I made to it oh yeah and Michael was there and he's going yeah animation that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> 1980 <laughs> it says here yeah. <laughs> he's obviously um, uh, built a very good career for well, himself uh, well that leads us nice into then like what did you uh, what got you interested in animation then like what were you watching and seeing at the time um, if there wasn't much of a kind of I don't think I was watching the scene anything at the time yeah. um, but there was a bit of a buzz going around um I actually moved into a flat with a guy called Declan Quinn, who, who mm. had a very big career in um, as a lighting cameraman in uh, Hollywood. And his wife, Edda, was into animation. And I had done some cartooning and stuff. And I just realized that I was never going to make a living doing cartoons because I only came up with, that's to say, editorial cartoons, usually left-wing ones. Yeah, so yeah. I came up with five good ideas a year. And I was getting 20 punts or something, so yeah. 25. So that's my gross career would have been you know my gross earnings for a year was about a hundred <laughs> yeah gonna get you very far whereas with animation i realized that you can stay with one idea for a long time yeah of and, course and um so that appealed to me and then um Declan and i rigged up edda wanted to do some animation she got some funding to do something and i said i'd help her 
And um, so Declan and I rigged up a Rostrum camera because he had 16mm cameras and 35mm cameras and everything. And he was the only person in Ireland at the time with a degree in filmmaking, which he got in Chicago. Mm. It's quite incredible, you know, when you think of how, really how bad. This is 1984, I think. Yeah. No, 82. And like, there was some teaching in Rathmines of filmmaking and it was very basic. I think he got a diploma. Mm. And Harry Hess set up... Um, a night course in NCAD and he did some blocks with graphics students and he built his own Rostrum camera as well and uh, which people might know what a Rostrum camera is um, I know really, I think I you know, it's a camera it's a film camera it was it was like in, in, in LA I'm sure there's still some in LA mm. but they built them on concrete beds with springs on the concrete beds so that there was earthquakes it wouldn't affect so the whole idea was to have this big metal yeah. camera holder that would keep everything steady okay. when we shooting and uh, keep the registration good. Yeah. And, um, and also the awkwardness of it was you had to mount the camera the wrong way around, otherwise you'd be shooting everything upside down. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. just flick a switch. So, and then, you, uh, the, but the lighting and a lot of stuff was easy about it. So, and, um, so, Declan and Adam moved back and I, I did this night course with, with Harry, which um, was just a, a year long, you know, two nights a year, two nights mm. a week or something, I can't remember. Very, very basic. But then Harry was a great guy to teach animation. He said, you know, you don't, he was from Chicago in America, mm. he, very good friend of Jimmy McCamey's. And he, he um, would say, oh, you can just make a film with, with uh, you know, a black marker and a, and a white paper. You don't need anything. You don't need yeah, anything yeah. to make a film. And, and, and that was a great encouraging thing to hear because there yeah. wasn't anything, you know. And so I staggered my way into cutout animation. And when I cut, I remember my first cutout animation that I did on the Rostrum camera that I made with Declan. Um, you made and the camera. And then when you moved away, I bought a 16mm camera and some Allen key piping and stuff. And made That's my amazing. Own yeah, yeah. And, and like, there was a Rostrum camera in RTE. There was... Gunter Wolf had a Rostrum camera. Mm. Jimmy Murray Cammy had a Rostrum camera. Mm. Aidan Hickey had a Rostrum camera. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Old country. I mean, it's bizarre. See, an animation in Ireland was really following the European model, which was small cottage industries. Yeah. So you had individuals making animation that was accessible, that was easy to do. So cut out animation, five or six drawings, you can make a minute of animation. You mm. don't need a studio with 30 people in it. Um, Quinn Films, which had set itself up earlier, I'd say... I'm not quite sure of the year of Quinn Films, but that's David Quinn's dad set up. A yeah, uh, okay. Built um, a studio down in their homestead in Torles. Yeah. And um, he'd come from a camera background in RTE. So a lot of people in Europe did that, or they came from the theatre. Mm. And the idea was they built a set like a theatre piece or like a studio piece, three camera studio piece or, yeah. or a theatre piece. So then you had a lighter that made backdrops, that made little 3D models. Okay, maybe the, the animation was ropey in the beginning, but they learned as they went along. And um, so a lot of European filmmakers made 3D model animation because they could think that way. Mm. They could think of sets and stories like that and European-esque type stories. And the other thing that a lot of European people did was, was um, cutout animation because that was easy. So Aidan mm. Hickey and I did cutout animation, so did Tim Booth and a few others. RT were quite accessible to, to help, you know, to show your stuff and give you a bit of bit of a contract or whatever I got a year there and I did all the small stuff for them so they gave you a start like you know yeah. and then Aiden did very well with them as well and it made you feel confident and move on to films and eventually um, eventually I did I suppose I did because I went to Annecy 
Yeah. And I came back from Annecy saying, I'm not making all this bitty stuff. I want to make a film. Yeah, and yeah. It was great. It was quite inspiring. And what, when you say film, do you mean like like, like shorts or like... Yeah, narrative Yeah, piece, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, narrative right, piece, right. Yeah. So not just like no, throwaway not, kind of sketches. Not a or whatever. For, yeah, yeah. For, for an RT show or a sting for an RT show. Okay, yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah. Which is what everybody's doing now. Cashel Hogan did that as well. Mm. Aiden had a nice little series in a... Uh, like an animated series stitch, yeah in, uh, I had two in, in, in RTE in a Saturday morning TV you shows. were on uh, Pajo's Junk yeah, Box it, as well yeah. which was let talk about that yeah yeah no there was uh, it was I, very very simple I yeah mean, I had to make that that cut out stuff very quickly yeah no I haven't and like it's meant to look like a puppet yeah. made it <laughs> a lot Pajo of it is it. kind of uh, gone now do you oh, know what I mean because it's all just been taped over uh, yeah they didn't yeah. keep anything RTE uh, there is one online and there's one reference to the uh, clean your socks for Christmas or something like oh, that oh yeah that's right um, like I was given two days to do yeah. that you know? <laughs> hey Steve we'd love some animation in this yeah what? yeah yeah <laughs> There was, uh, I, I know, I'm familiar because uh, my, uh, like, well, you know, I, growing up in Galway, there was, uh, uh, Pat Bracken was a puppeteer on That's the streets right, and he, he was, yeah, show, and yeah. so he was like a, a, my a friend's dad, but also a childhood hero of mine. Oh, so, good. yeah, anyway, so a portrait of him in Galway on at the end of Key Street, right. if anybody's, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he died a bit young. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, wow, that's crazy. So that, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, so at that, at that, at that time, there were like, Gunter Wolf came over in the early 60s. I think he should be mentioned. Uh, mm. He was a German who um, who um, just fell in love with Ireland, as they do. And uh, he uh, set up a, c- a company. And he was, again, a very independent kind of a guy. So he's, not only did he set up his own rostrum camera, he had set up his own lab for developing film. Mm. pretty cool. And he was eventually, after a few places like Northumberland Road and that, he, he wound up in outside Artmore on the gatehouse. Yeah. So he had this studio there. And he did the Lions... Key, the Lions Tiads, you know, with these... Okay, yeah. Oh, yes, I know what you're... Yeah, yeah. Politically incorrect, but yeah. in fact, they were the first character animation. In Are they on, like, any of the archives and stuff? Because uh, yeah, I was looking yeah. up the IFI ones sure for... I'm because I, I, got, I got them for Annecy, and I, yeah. I got them for Galway as well, so I have a VHS copy of them, but I'm oh, sure wow. there's some floating around. Yeah. I remember we got them for the first retrospective in Galway in 80, 89. Yeah. Uh, the company, which was a very big advertising company, whose name escapes me, um, went to a lot of hassle to get it. I think mm. they found, they found uh, a copy in Soho Pictures or something in London. And wow. Over for us. It was right, really yeah. of them to do it. But it's historic, you know. And um, he was a really, really nice guy. And he mm. put himself out for people. Um, and then there was Jimmy Murakami who found himself in Ireland too after a very circuitous route. He, he, oh, yeah. People know, probably know his story that he was interned during the war. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned it. Even though he's an American yeah. citizen. They never did that yeah. with the Italians or the Germans. Oh, God, no, yeah. No, yeah. but um, they were very racist against Japanese people. So even racist, even, even, even um, United States citizens were lifted and put in. Yeah, this is that George Takai was, uh, or Takei was talking about, you know, this is gone from Star Trek. Oh, but yeah. one of the things, the same thing around that, he was like, mm-hmm. You know, he's become this kind of very vocal person on social media and, uh, you know, uh, but he, but that was one thing that he said that was very affecting where mm. it's like, you know, it, it's a real reminder. It's like, you only have rights until you, they say oh, you yeah. don't. Do yeah, you know no, what I mean? Well, you know? When I was in LA, I, I wasn't in LA in the film yeah. business. I was dish, washing dishes. Although my friends, I was going to wrap up parties in, uh, yeah. in Paramount Pictures all the time because my friend was an editor. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, I kind of toyed around the film industry before. Sure, I yeah. And I thought it was boring for a while. But anyway, that doesn't matter. When I, yeah. when, I, when, I, when I saw my own pictures move, I, I got to like it. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing of it was, was that uh, the only political demonstrations I saw in L.A. was the Japanese-Americans. Yeah. Not so much compensation, but some recognition, really. You know? mm. And... Um, you don't see, you know, you, you know, they were they were hurt, you know. Oh well, that like that's what happened to Murakami was absolutely devastating as well. Because yeah, like, no, it affected him. Yeah. His brother, his brother also called Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, because he was the school teachers called him Jimmy. They had school teachers in the camp. And, yeah, uh, they all called, you know, racistly called him both Jimmy. No way. Yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't know that was yeah, the origin. Yeah, there. so he's Jimmy T to divide him from from his brother. Wow. And he had a lot of attitude afterwards, poor old Jimmy. You know, he couldn't settle down and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he got into animation. And he, he went to Italy where he where he was with. Harry Hess, and they, I don't think they shared a studio, but they certainly hung out, and they knew each other in LA, and uh, Harry came to Ireland, and I sort of think Jimmy followed him over and met an Irish girl, uh, mm. his wife, and uh, that sort of stabilised him, and um, and he set up the Murray County studio in Irishtown, mm. which was meant to train up people, but very strong connections in, in London with, uh, yeah, yeah. what's that, T- TVC people, where, you know, he did the snowman and lots of ads and, and eventually went on to do When the Wind Blows. And he also did live action stuff and live action ads and, and uh, feature. He did a feature too. He did Battle Beyond the Stars. That's it, yeah. I was trying um, to remember that. that was another thing I was going to uh, mention. I mentioned it previously with um, Charles Swenson, but I was asking him because he mentioned he did Dirty Duck with Roger Corman and then Roger Corman like there was that documentary Myths and Monsters. That's what I was wondering. I was wondering if you... you yeah, know. no, I, the story that the legend is yeah. that Harry had to get out of Italy fast. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me if you knew Harry, yes. Yeah. And, um, and Jimmy came over to him and got the like the place. But, I mean, Roger Corman was, was yeah. shooting and working with Blue Max. Yeah. And every time he was coming into Dublin, there was a sign, Connemara or Galway or something. He mm. said, I'd love to go over there. And eventually, many years later, he did. And it's interesting how the difference, when he set up his company in Galway, how that made a difference. And I like, T.G. Cahar was, I think, already about to establish. Sinegale did and uh, mm. established itself for sure. That's, that's Paul Cummins' um, uh, company that, you know, is very involved in animation. And, uh, and um, Bob Quinn was there, of course. And, yeah, of uh, course. Quite, and, you know, there was one or two other people. But it's, and also the, the film centre had set up and, and so had the film FLA and the film board had an office in Galway. So it was becoming a centre. So he just shows you how, had they made the effort yeah, yeah. that they did in the 19, late 80s and early 90s, had they made that effort back in the 1910s and 1920s, mm. they would have had a massive film industry by now. I mean, it yeah, totally. would have been as good as France at least. Yeah, yeah. Not better, in fact. Um, mm. Especially since you know the Italian industry and the British industry shot themselves in the foot, you know, and yeah. just closed their cinemas and behaved badly. You know, maybe we would have done that too. Who knows? Would they they close their cinemas for this is Make bingo holes? Okay, you know, I mean, yeah, that, Britain had an amazing, amazing good investment. Film, you film know, the great film industry, and it shot it. It destroyed itself basically because they thought it was dying, and they didn't, you know, you could make more money making bingo. You got to be careful, oh, wow. producers. Sometimes, all due respect to producers. Yeah, yeah. But some producers are just, you know, the, you know. Yeah, well, Jones talks mm-hmm. about the producers in Warner Brothers how they just could be selling like, mm. books and shirts just as easy as animation. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? The, 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 well, I mean, this is some going back to a thing that we've been talking about a lot on the podcast where, you know, a lot of people I think are seeing it now, but the the toing and froing of commerce and animation. Mm-hmm. Like even we were talking about there that the the start of animation was just like ident and adverts and this type of stuff. I mean, like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's all good to keep it going forward. But as you say, you know... Um, 
it's only ever seemed to be judged on how much money or how much kind of uh, recognition it can get by court, you know, stuff like this. I mean, even uh, anyway, I don't know. I'm making some really sweeping broad point now, but uh, there, I you know, with um, uh, like let's say the the only time that it would get recognition maybe in the news here would be if it you know oh the this uh, studio has landed this huge series or this yeah. that and the other and it's like you well, know mercifully <laughs> most yeah. uh, most of our our animator our animation producers mm. including the ones who didn't come from animation but I'm really uh, I'm thinking of of the ones who came from Ballyfermot in that in the in those first years in Ballyfermot mm. uh, ninety 
make alignments between smaller industries to to um, to join up and do these co-productions. And yeah. their aim was, they also realized that you know something made in Germany was just going to be shown in Germany, very unlikely might get into Austria. Mm. Something shown in France might get into Belgium, but it wouldn't go to Germany. And anything made in Ireland wouldn't get outside Ireland. And, and no, really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. you know, it's, it's partly because it, it was all going through RTE, and RTE didn't sell anything, didn't mm. sell even any live action or anything. It was outrageous. Just, just didn't think big, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, some would uh, say they still don't. Yes, <laughs> they don't. They're trying to. Change. They don't change. They don't still think big. They don't think creatively either. But they are yeah. moving along in that direction, definitely. Yeah. Uh, they have been moved thinking creative. I mean, you know, they wouldn't have enough. I mean, you, the problem with RTE was was it wanted, it didn't want to embarrass itself. It's between yeah. it's, it's between these two big mega giants, America and Britain, mm. with very high standards. So all they were interested in was good technology and that they're you wouldn't look at their work and not see it wasn't broadcast standard. So right. they would, they spent money on technology rather than creativity. Mm. And so you, they went, by the time they sorted everything out, there was no money left for uh, just one script writer, instead yeah, of four yeah, or five, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And there was no rehearsal spaces on the campus because they weren't thinking about that. Mm. And there was no changing rooms, enough changing rooms and stuff. Like they had a lab to develop film, but they didn't have, uh, they just didn't have a, a sort of a space for artists to come and chill out and feel good in and, and, and experiment in and rehearsing. Yeah. They didn't think of that, you know, and even they didn't think of enough rehearsal times for anything. So, and that still lives there a bit, you know. Yeah. Anyway, let's not talk about Yeah, that. sorry, no, no, no. no. So we have this, so Europe is getting its act together. Yeah. It sets up this, this media um, sort of funding organization. Mm. Jimmy was a representative in for Ireland. I don't think he was even an Irish citizen. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. an Irish citizen at that point. He was always very slow about that and he'd apologise for it. But he was the only person with a, with a, with a profile mm. from in Ireland. Aidan, even Aidan Hickey, who did get a profile in Europe, but didn't have one at that time. So Jimmy was our, yeah. our, our Irish ambassador, and uh, which he loved. And, <laughs> and, um, and the Americans thought they should get a back door into Europe before it all closes up. And no, this wall yeah, comes yeah. up and they can't, uh, they can't. Uh, so Fred Wolf said, Hey, Jimmy, can you come into Europe? Now that's, that's how it happened. Yeah. And Jimmy said, sure I can, I'm in, you know? So, um, that's why Jimmy McCarmy, uh, and Wolf, Fred Wolf films set up. Now, I think the Europeans were pretty pissed off at that, if I may use the word, that word. Yeah. But, you couldn't get pissed off at Jim Murakami. He was no. a charming guy. He's a very gentle man. He was man, a lovely, yeah. lovely guy. So he got away with it. And, um, well, warm. I wouldn't and say we, gentle. And, <laughs> and as a result, um, as a result, uh, we uh, we are the creators of uh, Ninja Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. All the world made here, and a few other things as well after that. And uh, they, they went European after that. They did uh, Budgie the Helicopter, which is. I saw that. Yeah. And. Uh, but you know they were great. A lot of people cut their teeth there too, you know. And um, yeah, there was so, like so you had them. Yeah. And then you had other. I mean, this was after Bluth came and Emerald City came, which was a Canadian. Oh yeah, please TV tell me more. Stuff. I yeah. don't know much about Emerald City. They were based in Dunleary. Mm. Uh, they did this a lot of TV cla- story classics like Dickens, all the Dickens stuff, and maybe. I definitely did. I think they definitely did Wizard of Oz type stuff yeah, as well. Obviously stuff. with the they name, would, you know. Yeah, they covered yeah, well, yeah. Mm. They cover, cover everything. And they did it in a, in a, like um, I, I described it as um, it was like uh, 
Scooby-Doo without Scooby-Doo, that kind of realistic mm. kind of simple Saturday morning animation with full figure, figure people, but not necessarily moving very well. Yeah. Um, and, and they did lots of it. I don't know how long they lasted. And there was quite another company. It was a company called Shepherd came over. And they, when, when, when Blue Earth eventually went after mm. doing about 11 features, yeah. which was very, very credible, you know. Well, yeah. Um, Shepherd survived and uh, a few other companies survived and people who, you know, directors like, um, who's, who's the guy who did, uh, worked in Carnival and uh, from Waterford, God, Paul Bulger. Uh, oh, Paul, like yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, um, yeah, he came out of all that, you know, as, as a, sort of as a, as a very, you know, high profile director, really. And yeah. uh, so there were a lot of good things happened, but I think the best thing that happened with Sylvan Bluth was that they got involved with Ballyfermot. Yeah. And the Ballyfermot had money. And Jerome Morrissey was the guy in charge of Ballyfermot. Ballyfermot was always very much wanted, you know, they were vocational people. They wanted to bring mm. good education to, I'm, I'm going to say a deprived area, but an area that was ignored by the arts and the media. Mm. And um, an awful lot of people who were attracted to animation, I think, felt comfortable about going to Ballyfermot. They wouldn't have gone to NCAD if it was an NCAD or if the studio was done. At there is something very, um, uh, for want of a better word, like uh, working class about animation and the the, um, the evolution of it in Ireland. I was actually, I mentioned this before in the podcast, but I'll say it again now just because it's a funny story, but I went to, uh, when I was in my final year of college, I moved into this house in Dunleary and uh, I was talking to the, the landlord there um so i mean not exactly but anyway he's going uh you know so what do you uh, he's like i was like oh what do you do and then he was like oh well i design boats for a living you know and i was like oh okay and then he goes what do you do and then i was like oh i'm in animation and he was like oh yeah i worked on teenage mutant turtles back in the day you know? <laughs> and it's just like basically saying that anybody who is an ncad and it proved that they could hold the pencil was able to go in That's and essentially really, do I in mean, between jimmy you know? had that wonderful <laughs> thing about him that he'd fly by the city of his pants he'd jump off yeah and yeah and on his he offered me a job I was trying to make my first film at the time and I turned him down but, he, but like you know offering me he was offering me a good job yeah, yeah. didn't have any experience but he probably knew I could, you know, he could yeah. learn, learn on the hoof you know he was very very he was very good like that he was very trusting of people he liked young people a lot you know yeah. he couldn't talk enough about Jimmy he was a really really sweet guy yeah um, but um but no, but yeah. Sheridan College and and um, got they bought Ballyfirm had bought the Sheridan College format yeah and that's an american approach to teaching yeah and Euro yeah the europeans didn't get it i'm like they might have had it in france and where have you you know but it means people a lot of europeans went to america and picked up the skills in america and came back but it wasn't sort of a drilled into sort of boot camp kind of education piece mm. and that has permeated through the education 100 yeah, yeah. now everybody every you know it went from ballyfermot to Dunleary, it went up to kilkenny up to letterkenny it went to um it's an athlone now john p Voy's, you know yeah the the one of the main animators there now a teacher I talk to P. Yeah. have you talked to him yet no i need to i i'm, no, I'm have to, yeah. i did not know that that course was a, a thing until rather recently yeah the, no it yeah. is fairly recent they're kind yeah. of cobbling it together um, from from I think uh, yeah it started off as a illustration yeah animation and illustration, yeah, if, illustration for those who are uh, you know curious Nathlone as well yeah. so, so yeah. it might be that might be their shtick you know they might almost have a bit of illustration thing to it yeah fingers crossed I I'm mean not so sure you know. they <laughs> sit together very well but the, but there is there is a there is a connection and stuff but yeah. um, 
So what was I going to say? Sorry, yeah, so yeah. that 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 Sullivan Sullivan Bluth sent lecturers up to the college mm. to teach, and that was really wonderful as well. I think that had an influence in those first three years as well, that produced all the all the all the companies, the CEOs yeah. for all the companies. Do you think that it also, like I was saying earlier about the the commerce thing, that if it is such an American kind of almost if it's like an assembly line process mm. that they were teaching, that that kind of also impacted in that way, that m- makes us think about, you Yeah, know. no, it did. It did, but I do think that the the initial animators there, all of the, all of those three years, and, and mm. indeed anybody really comes out of Irish animation now, has a real love for animation and a very high yeah, critical. critical. Yeah. So I think people are looking at animation in Ireland. Um, Irish animators have a greater respect for it, I think, than maybe other countries do because mm. it's just in the air it's just in the ether really there is something about um i went over i i i'm i almost think that we don't talk enough with europe at all so there's a shame mm. of losing that kind of cottage industry thing and mm. the other and part about it the the third level you know the thing about taking that american model again is like you are kind of almost catering to the american yeah. and the english model so you're you're yeah, kind of no, completing we, that sandwich yeah. you know what i mean no, well i think <laughs> i think well maybe yeah. to, to talk it through a bit before, yeah sure the strength in ireland is yeah is that we have a foot in both camps mm. we get the american thing and we get the european thing and yeah. we should never lose e- either one yeah so a course. big company like uh, cartoon saloon if you look at They're their good backgrounds examples, yeah. and how they explain their backgrounds it's like drilling into european culture mm. they really are as a, as are as are their stories which are very european and that they're irish and yeah. they also have a sort of that dark kind of european vibe about them and a long cultural but history as well like, know that, yeah. and they're, they're all aware of that down there mm. you know and they're also very aware of of their the standard of animation and they've got totally. that from uh you know uh, in their case bally fermit and um so we can't lose that we must remember that that we have a fucking yeah. bet both camps and and that we we draw on both strengths and i think that's really part of the reason why i think part of the reason is that so many young people were involved in animation i know they're all getting into their 40s now we're getting into their 50s soon and uh yeah you can laugh Gareth, for <laughs> they're still you know not where i'm coming from but anyway yeah. but but they um they had that youthful energy with them and, and yeah. also this love of animation and also had this European kind of individuality with them but sure. they this American studio system as well so you can be corrupted by the American studio system mm. and it can be a race to the bottom or if, you, if you're aware of this other tradition it might just yeah, keep the standard up. So I'm happy enough with both traditions. Yeah, side just by side like, it's like it's plate spinning things. You got to keep them all mm. in check in case yeah. and not let one take and, over and the and other. Indeed, the same thing happened. The, the only mm. place of real success in 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 England was um, Ardman. Yeah, and Ardman pulled on um, model animation, which was very European. You don't see much of it in America, mm. and they they had. Uh, Jan Spankmeyer working with them. For really? Time. Yeah. And they had, um, they had, um, you know, they were very influenced by, by Yuri Trinka in, in uh, Prague as well, as, mm. as was Spankmeyer, obviously. And yeah. uh, no, they had a very, and a lot of their student days, they would have been exposed to um, that early Rush, Vlad, Vlad, uh, Vladislav Starovich, yeah. who was a model animator. Uh, who went on to make very surrealistic, wonderful stuff when he had to leave Russia and lived in Paris. Yeah. And his daughter travelled uh, travelled his arts classes and art colleges of Britain, showing his work. Mm. And a lot of it is animals. I mean, it's, it's like creature. You can see a direct line from Creature Comforts to Starovich. Yeah, yeah. And you can yeah. also see a direct line between um, 
that famous video they did, you know, Sledgehammer. Yes. And, and, and yeah. Frank, Frank That is actually, now that you mention that, like just seeing Peter Gabriel's stop motion head, yeah, that yeah. is 100% Frank Meyer. Yeah, so, so uh, and they will, they will tell you that. Not, yeah, yeah. Some big discovery. Yeah. You know, I found, but, well, I found from talking to them. It, it is and, funny as well how... But that's yeah. their, their, they, so they have their, but what they also have is their English humour, you know, and English humour is very international, yeah. very, very simple, and, and simple in, yeah. in a good way. It's hard to be simple. It's hard to do things simple. So they have this very international humor plus this mm. dark kind of strong individualistic artistic yeah. European, eastern european influence which i would chicken run sorry i was just thinking about yeah, that you know camp. that dark gray kind of yeah sorry that's it, so funny yeah yeah no it's it's uh, it's there i mean no yeah. one's, no, i haven't people should be developing this isn't yeah, it? Yeah. anybody's listening and want to do a, a thesis on this please please do you know yeah but um because that's there's more so to it I could, you know i could dip it i could dip in a bit more now um but I won't. But then what I'm trying to say is they had two camps. Now, in a mm. way, they've they've reached out to America a bit, you know. But but uh, not as like mm. we have. I mean, Irish people get America much quicker. And I've known that dealing with uh, mm. directors in Europe and stuff. Um, and you say get American, isn't they become American? Or well, they <laughs> kind of, you know, like all my grandparents lived in America. Yeah. I've got cousins and relatives over there. I they're, they're, a lot of that politics comes from an Irish way of thinking. You right. Know? All that popular type politics that the yeah, Irish yeah, brought yeah. with them to America, you know, uh, because we were politically active in the 1820s, way ahead of everyone on a parish mm. level, way yeah. ahead of everybody else. Politics were for elites back then. You could argue they still are, but, mm. but we brought in political organisation and um, yeah, and trade union organisation as well. To be honest, that's um, why we're all the police now. We did everything. We had a finger in every pie. But the thing of it is, is that. Um, yeah, we get it, you know. So I can talk to Americans when I meet them in a very, that's very... That's true, yeah, yeah. I can yeah. even talk about, make a joke about the Red Sox or I can, I can talk about... That's true. ...stuff like that. Where that yeah. English people freeze. I've seen it. And, of course, French people who do have a love affair with America are just... Mm. There's a communication problem with language. But I've talked to... I've talked to uh, English people particularly about America and you can just see they're not... Yeah. It, they don't get what I'm saying. And I'm Do you going think it's like a colonial thing, though, where it's like, you know, as in like we're, I was thinking about this recently with the rise of the far right and stuff where it's mm. like taking places in these countries that are used to owning large chunks of the world. Yeah. So is there like a part of us that is kind of like adaptable? So that's why we're kind of, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, as no, in, there's definitely know. that. There's definitely, that's a, but that's another story. Yeah. You know, how, uh, yeah, we haven't. We've only made war on one country in the world, and that was because they had <laughs> fitted us. And that's yeah, the yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I remember the French uh, president of some, some, you know, the Stang or something like that, came over to Ireland and he said, Oh, we really love, I love visiting Ireland, he said, because there's only two countries in Europe we've never made war on, you mm. and Denmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. I remember in Annecy too, sitting down beside some. Um, English, pe- uh, English people, and they just slack, you know, France. I was nearly on the verge of, of racism. And I'm yeah, going, yeah. Yeah, Irish people wouldn't say that about the French. And yeah. I mean, really heavy stuff. And, you know, it goes back in their history. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then, you know, a few minutes later, I'd be sitting down beside some French people who'd be a bit chilly until they say, are you English? And yeah, I know. And yeah. suddenly they're all over you, you know? It's really yeah, yeah. weird stuff. That's so funny. So anyway, yeah. God, we're, yeah, I hope we never lose that, you know? We have that. I mean, there was one, this I remember way back uh, when I was in secondary school and uh, Bill Cullen came and gave a talk. Oh, yeah. And he's just Bob, this... Bob Cullen? The one... Robert no, Cullen? 
No, like uh, no, Bill, as in like the the Renal guy, you know, the millionaire, oh. the guy who presented like the TV three version of The Apprentice, like. But he, they just had oh, this. Yeah. They, you know, he's just he's. But like the, I, he's a complete shite hawk. But like you know, <laughs> but he was up there just going like, yeah, I met Bill Bill Clinton. I met this down the other. I met a bit, but one of the things he said, which did actually stick with me, was the idea that how he got talking to Bill Clinton. He just uh, rang up and then he was talking. He rang up the White House and your woman, this woman picks up and then she's like hello how's it going and then he's like what's your name and then she's like you know what, what do you what's your name who are you and he's like I'm Bill but what's your name you know and then like you know eventually figures out she's like oh, what her last name is like O'Leary and oh, you just have way, this kind of yeah, yeah. and it's just there's ah, a yeah. constant in no matter where like yeah. so I mean like but, you know but the, the, even the idea of phoning up the White House English people wouldn't think of that yeah the French people and they're all like it would seem too obvious you know well. not only with empire builders they also have a hierarchical yeah uh, was the Irish Chancellor or anything yeah that's the other thing yeah, yeah. Um, so there is an element to that where it's I and, think, and yeah, yeah. Really should uh, should play on that more, and I think we have. I think the, when the Irish go to kids' screen or go over to LA, which we do a lot now, yeah, we play. We you know we don't you know the Americans aren't fools, you know, mm. especially when it comes to money. But uh, we can play them, you know, and then they can play us too. But uh, yeah, because I think a lot of Europeans are standoffish a bit. Yeah, and then, it's only gotten worse now, to be honest. Uh, at the, <laughs> with the with you know the Brexit stuff, oh, like geez, where you go over and it's like you know. It's, it's like the Canadian-American thing. It's like you always hold your tongue until you find out if, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. like, but there is a, there, that is, uh, me and Adam went over and pitched something and there was a a real, I mean, because we didn't announce that we're Irish and I don't think our accents are to portray us particularly, you know? So like he, I remember like I approached this German guy and I was like, oh, sorry, do you speak English? He's like, only if you make me. <laughs> and like, like we were there and we went up and we pitched this thing and they were just they were like really harsh on us and I have a feeling like and there was a lot, a lot of other people who went up and their English was quite poor but it'd be like it's okay you know mm. but with us it'd be like why are you making this you know what I mean so I do think uh, that that wasn't that was like pre-Brexit now but I, I'm you know I've you know it has uh, I think that there is a part where it's, uh, you know, the, the the English kind of stuff is really stoking it up again, especially the Tories, you know. Um, but anyway, I, that's yeah. neither here nor there. But sure, the yeah, the, I guess uh, let me just look at my notes. I wanted to ask you one or two more things. So yeah, you were there as well around the founding of like all of the kind of major animation studios in Ireland at the moment yeah, as well. Yeah, well, a, so. a lot of my students of mine went on to do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, the, the thing about it was, was we we were very aware uh, the, the few independents that there were, and uh, so many some of the students coming through. You can't emphasize how, how the students got involved. They really mm. got involved and helped. And you know, and this is why I think women in animation and Peg Bar are great, and the yeah. Animal Group and the SDG. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Because they allow they kind of let students come along, you know. And um, there is this problem. Oh, you, you know, students can't go for frameworks. They can't go for Skillnet. And yeah, you know, okay, I get that, right? Mm. But we really should always be letting students into anything we can get them into. And um, so Animu set up, which was it was. Um, while the big studios and we were trying to raise a profile exactly what you were saying earlier mm. that independence and small people can set up a small studio yeah. and survive and we were kind of conscious that all you're talking about is American studios now mm. and when Bluet collapsed there were all these headlines saying ah, the animation dream is over it's not going to happen and I remember writing a letter yeah. saying in actual fact you're wrong you know mm. there's still a hundred people working in Shepherd and, and Terry Glyph has started up and by the way there's independence setting themselves up mm. and there were like you know people like Andrew Kavanagh and Cal, Cal um, 
Gaffney and people like that were trying to set up their own companies. And, um, and so Animoon was this early animation group that was going to be a, a resource center for animation. And it lasted a few years. It was kind of based on film base, because I'd been slightly involved in film base, but I was particularly involved in, um, in uh, the Galway Film Centre. So I could see how a small group could build up and build resources. Yeah, Galway Film Centre are great as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, anime, the problem with anime is we all got too busy. Mm. I mean, Brown Bag kicked off and all those other companies kicked off and I, I, I got involved in stuff as well. And But one of the things that came out of it was this animation festival we had, three, eight, three years of animation festival. It was really great. Mm. And... Um, and then it was picked up by some st- students from ex students from Dunleary, kept it going for another two years. Um, but now, at the same time, too, and, uh, I was in Galway for the FLA. So the FLA, when it set up in '89, had the first retrospective of Irish animation. Oh, wow. And it had the first um, meeting of animators, mm. professional meeting, because um, Jimmy was trying to get some profile around uh, the media group in Europe. And uh, Animu had a few members. So we all, and, and you know, anybody who came down as part of the retrospective. So it was about 22 of us around a table in a car park in, in, yeah. in, in Galway, in Salt Hill, and uh, the, the old um, Clada Palace. And, um, Clada Palace, man. I, I, that I'm was bringing back a nostalgia for you there. Well, I, I, a little I, tear coming down from <laughs> Garrett's cheek. Well, there's a, I actually, I actually, it predates me, unfortunately. But, but like, no, my, my dad, like, uh, my, my dad would talk about the cinemas that were in um, Galway that I hadn't mm, been to. And it was, it was such a disappointment because, like, you know, once by the time I was, you know, going to the cinema and stuff, all that was around was the Omniplex. Oh, yeah. And uh, that was just, yeah, I, it, it was charm, not nice. Yeah, the charm of the, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the furniture falling to bits in the cladder. Yeah, that was it. That's what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the, the town hall before they did it up had rats running up and down. It. Are you joking? Mm, okay, right. And then they got yeah. Now, but now they have the eye and the palace. Oh yeah, you know, no, so, it's brilliant. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. But um, but um, actually, that first Galway Film Flower too that had this, uh, we decided the, as a group to, that we'd have a competition. Yeah. And I'd met Sneva Flynn from the archives just before. Um, from in the IFI and the IFC as they called it then and she said Steve I've been out in Barna and I've seen this animation and it's mm. from 1909 and it's a clock tower bouncing around okay and that's when it was discovered in, in, yeah. in, in, in 1989 you know about 80 years after it was made so for, oh, and so sorry. we you know we immediately said oh, we've got to have this clock tower as our little prize which it was and it's called the, it's called the James Hogan prize now because James Hogan was the yeah. was the guy who made it and um Horgan yeah, Bros. so that was like Galway then was kind of a center for animation and became place a go-to place for animation and competition and blah blah blah, and frameworks, you know, was inaugurated there and it's where you show your, your frameworks and stuff. Mm. But very happy I can say that you know animation started picking up Foil Film Festival and Derry started picking up an animation and giving it a prize as well, and. Um, there was in well, there was our one in Dublin for a while, and then there was I'm trying to think of another animation festival that's come and gone, but also you know Dingle then happened and uh, mm. and Kilkenny has something going and uh, how recent is Dingle like that's like past few I'm trying to remember is it seven years seven years okay maybe not that much okay well no I, I'll have to look it up but um yeah. Um, that's yeah. that's no, that's that's mm. also wonderful because it's such an influence on students, you know. Yeah. And the students also, it's a hack place for students. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Hackfest, <laughs> which is flying the flag of yeah. independence of individuals. <laughs> Sorry, because that is that's <coughs> Dingle is very much a big studio thing. <laughs> now I've been to Hackfest, ladies and gentlemen. I yeah. Recommend it more. Woo.
well, it's coming up soon. I should have the date. I don't, uh, but it, we, it is booked. So we're we're in August and should be hearing announcements very soon. Um, I'm, I'm going to say it's August 14th. I, do, I can't confirm that yet, though. But you're um, trying to keep some sort of progression here. Yeah, One please. Of the we shouldn't forget, because um, I mentioned Frameworks, is the, is the second animation, is the second film board that's set up. Um, hmm. So around that time, there was the IBEC people who was, oh, was a guy from... Um, a guy from Murakami, who's, I can see his face, I can't remember his name. Uh, Aidan Hickey. Um, saying Jerry Sharon might have had something to do with it, who's now down in Cartoon Saloon. Mm. Uh, they they, they um, campaigned for, for the film board, just saying, listen, if you're going to keep animation in Ireland and not just let it be fly by night where, where kids like like fine artists where kids are getting you know people are getting you know two months here and two months there and but large gaps in between and might have to go to germany or italy or something mm. but you have to support the studio system yeah and so they gave development up for tv animation now that was a big thing for rod stoneman the first guy to, oh yeah, um, yeah. rod stoneman he lives um, around my area so yes well actually we know his my, my sister is friends with his son and stuff so oh yeah, yeah yeah i know son too yeah I know, I know Rod for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, that was a big deal for him because, mm. you know, the, the documentary people were saying, you know, or TV people were saying, well, why aren't you supporting us? You know, we're, if you're supporting that TV, you should be supporting old TV. Mm. So, you know, but he's, you know, he was very, very brave about it. He'd worked in, he'd worked in Channel 4 when they were very big into animation. Mm. And he saw animation really when he got, ex- he got exposed to animation when Channel 4 set up. He yeah. was there when it was set up. In fact, that was the time I was working with, on that restaurant camera with Declan. I remember going mm. to see, oh, they're going to show animation 4 o'clock in, in, and it's all individual kind of work and uh, best of European and, and type of animation. And yeah. we, I remember Edda and I and Declan and Fergus Tighe was there as a guy who's an early filmmaker and we were mm. watching Channel 4 and I was after Countdown, which I happen to know, mm-hmm. was the very first show on Channel 4. This animation thing came up and we tried to catch mm. it every day. Uh, it happened, and um, we were knocked out, you know, because it was really exposed to art animation. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so that's and he and Rod Stoneman was involved in, in Channel Four at that time. So no way. Okay. He, he knew that it was a precarious business, the individual filmmaker. Uh, anyway, let alone the individual animation filmmaker. Yeah. And so he pushed it through without with opposition. I think that. Animation development would include TV series. Okay. And as a result, that helped keep studios people together, and they could also do frameworks. Mm. Now, I, I got a bit a bit annoyed by that after a while because it looked like only the big animation studios, only animation studios, were getting frameworks, and I started yeah, yeah. getting a bit bulgy about it and, and complaining, and um, a little bit of complaining, or not not negative complaining, or not. Mm shouting, complaining, but constructive criticism, complaining, and yeah. lobbying, I think is the proper word, um, they started f- putting it back out to individuals. Yeah. The problem with giving it to individuals is you're going to get, you're not going to get it maybe finished in time, or you're not yeah. going to get uh, uh, the same, see, when they gave stuff to it's a bit more of a gamble, bag or, yeah. or cartoon saloon, and I'm not giving them a hard time about this, they didn't have to hire that equipment, it was there. Yeah. And so the, the the budgets they got, they they trebled them. Yeah, yeah. You know, but just by not having to pay stuff, yeah. or you know, uh, they they pay the wages for animators who might be slack for a few days and say, oh, well, we'll work in so and so's frameworks mm. and do a bit there. And um, so it was really wonderful to 
so the quality was really good. That's why stuff started getting nominated, you know. Mm. And it was great to see smaller work getting nominated, you know. Um, and it's great to see the smaller industries like Alan Holly's Maps and Plans. Oh, yeah, of course. The kind yeah. of quality of work they're producing. That's you know? gorgeous, all yeah, right. The yeah. island and, and his own, uh, what was the one there, Coma? Yeah, Coda. Yeah. Coda, yeah. yeah. Um, just beautiful stuff, you know. So it's it's just, I mean, I think both of those films delayed though because they were they had yeah they did like unfortunately when I made frameworks I, t- I, was, I cut a corner to get them in on time I wish I hadn't now and Podrick's yeah. film uh, on Gower Dove yeah Gower Dove or Gower on Gower Dove on Dove yeah that um, that um, just the, the hold on for the standard of work so it's really really great to but that's that that bedrock of the second uh, film board. Mm. Setting up frameworks, setting up development for TV shows and features as well, animation features, which sure. eventually happened. That that concentration, Rod Stoneman concentrated on animation, which most people don't. It's the hmm. poor cousin, or it's silly, or it's yeah, silly, yeah. whatever. So that was that was very. He, he, I think he made a difference. I don't. I don't think he gets recognised for that. So That's I interesting. Try to mention it. And frameworks was the envy of of say Britain and Europe. Yeah, it still yeah. is actually, because Britain then saw what Ardman were doing. The BBC went, oh well, Ardman is making half hour animations. Why don't you all make a half hour animations? Mm. And like what? Yeah. You know, just out of college, you make half an hour animation. Are you serious? Mm. And so they pulled, they pulled their short funding, and they yeah. were Channel Four and in other places. And the Arts Council over there was only supporting animations that were long. And you're going, come on! Yeah. yeah. And whereas we were supporting five minute long ones, and yeah, yeah. a very good budget for it. Well, could have been better, but it was good. Yeah, yeah. It can always be better. The money can yes. always be better, even when it's good. It can always be yeah, better. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I like the way you think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm very uh, ungrateful for any money I get. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'll always be like, yeah, whatever, I could get more. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and at present as well, uh, what are you, what is your relationship with animation? Then, are you what are you are you working um, on animated projects at the I'm, moment? I'm, I'm, not last groups? Christmas, yeah. the Christmas before, had an, an animation uh, made with Channel Four and the BEI. Oh wow, called Carana that was rotoscoped actually. Okay, cool. Was I that with Mike Rotoscope? That was with Matt Porter. Yeah, who's one of the best. Really good. One really, really great Rotoscoper. Yeah. And the reason why he's a good Rotoscoper, ladies and gentlemen, is because he is a good animator. And people yeah. forget that. You have to have a good animator Rotoscoping, otherwise it looks like traced work. Yeah. The, the, the animator brings something to it. Yeah. And that that's why I really get annoyed with animation festivals and and a lot of animators who look down their mm. nose at rotoscoping because yeah. yeah it is a lot of it is that or should only be used for reference very often I mean I know Kilkenny uses it for reference and stuff and various stuff and, and so it's Disney and stuff but if you aren't going to finish it you yeah. really have to get animators to finish it because there's all sorts of things that just they add to it you know yeah. so well made rotoscoping is animation I would argue that but a lot of festivals don't accept that Yeah. so I did a very bad it, it didn't have the it got into sixteen festivals, but it didn't. Mm. It didn't get into many animation festivals. Yeah, and um, that's another good thing that what people prize, would want no, to know. What prize did it win? It didn't win a prize. Sorry. Oh, it didn't win a prize. Right. No, I was confused with another one. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, what would you uh, recommend to people who are now around now submitting their films to festivals and things like that? Is there any kind of thing that you would use, or any kind of, you know, um, it just depends on the film, I suppose, or is it, you know? I don't know. I, I, the films that do well for me in festivals that have won prizes are the, always the ones I produce myself. Right. It's peculiar about that. So, yeah, you drive it like you've stolen it. You know, you, you've, you've made yeah. it. And don't forget about it and chase it up. Individualize it if you can. You know, if you, you know, people, you know, 
send down a link, but if there was a graphic on the link or if there's anything that you can individualize it mm. so that people can remember it the other side. If you know anybody in a festival, send them an email and let them know, look, by the way, I put it on, you know, Film Freeway or whatever you're using. Yeah. Um, so Film whole, Freeway that whole, one? That's one I use, yeah. yeah but uh, it's not one I like that much, actually. I don't mm. like any of those. No, they're annoying enough. They're, they're, they're impersonal. You're not so sure if people are getting them the other side mm. that much. You know, the personal touch. I've, I've got, over the years, I've built up connections with festivals. Obviously, the yeah. Galway Film Fla. Fastnet. I've done well down in Fastnet. I've gone down five times. It's the eleventh year coming up now. Um, well, a that's few like times down there. As good a bit of advice as just to get out to get there physically meet them. Yeah, places. And, and so know. then they'll know. Oh, that's they'll be watching out for your film more than yeah. you know. It, it's harder to do that now because of the net. You know. Yeah, I also think that um, I know that when I was like you know a teenager and stuff and applying for jobs, the the net also kind of uh, allowed you an out for actually talking to people. So what happened is I would be sending in CVs to places and be like, why aren't they getting back? And it only took me years later to realize like, oh no, emails are incredibly impersonal and like mm-hmm. just because you don't. Incredibly. You, you you feel more you feel like you've done something and sent it on uh-huh. so that's it gives you the sense of anyway I, I'm, 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 mm-hmm. I'm, I'm look up from your phones people god that's no but I'm, I'm trying to say no, no, like, you're right yeah. no it, it's, it's, it's very very impersonal <laughs> it's too easy to be able to yeah. just going, send going, off an email you going, know? To fe- going to festivals you're interested in wanting yeah. you fill them in and building a relationship with them yeah that includes getting a job uh, if you wanted to work in a studio or you want to develop a relationship with a, a producer yeah. there's a lot of live action producers are interested in animation because it's a happening thing and they mm, okay yeah cool uh, yeah a lot of them do so you can meet them down in Galway and stuff uh, you know it's and it's even not, the you don't have to be a, especially in Galway you don't have to be slick you know yeah it helps if you've got a card or something but it yeah. doesn't you know you can you know get some Dutch courage or just yeah, take yeah, a deep yeah, breath yeah, and leap sure. in no one is going to stop you and go sorry you're you know you know, I can't take you seriously. Go away. No one says that, you know. And what would festival, you say about like, especially a festival like Galway or Fastnet yeah. or Dingle, which are all very happy festivals. And where's Fastnet? Because I've actually not heard of that one. It's in Skull, West Cork. Oh, okay. Oh no, that's a really, really good short film festival and does has animation prizes and the huh, so okay, spot cool. for animation. Yeah. No, no, it's really, really good. I couldn't recommend it enough. Um, and what hard, would you s- hard to get to like Dingle but not actually not as hard as Dingle mm-hmm. yeah well Dingle. but, but as you know you get to Cork City and you're still 40 minutes to go to yeah. get to Cork oh, God this <laughs> country <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and, and uh, I guess uh, what would you say about phone calls or something like that like ringing up places mm. and stuff is yeah. that that would be better than an email ideally uh, or is it we have to phone the film board today. oh okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah oh yeah personal touch is way ahead of everything else and ringing the film board is that because that's another thing because I've been like trying to hound somebody for notes on a short for about the guts of a month now and I've yeah, been ringing should, and they're emailing they're better at doing and, that know. than they used to be so they should yeah. have them yeah well I'm yeah, no I'm I'm finding the film board a bit hard to uh, respond back to and, yeah um, like they're probably a little overworked and um, yeah or maybe not a little overworked over overworked but yeah. um and uh, there's only three project managers and blah 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 <laughs> if i was brendan gleason they'd have called me back though no i don't know uh, if yeah, that's i can hear the bitterness <laughs> in your voice Ken. uh well anyway yeah that's that's uh i think we might like if you if you'll uh come back on another time as well yeah, there was so much information and uh really worth getting down on tape as well just because like well tape but you know like um 
yeah this is kind of the idea of the yeah yeah, because yeah because the podcast has always been you know like it it is annoying like we mentioned it and uh uh, earlier but you know uh with padre's junk box (laughs) but like ireland has a thing of like taping over its history to just keep going and it's like you know everything out of that yeah sold what archives they had to some company in Britain. Yeah. So now if you want to get some stuff, Are you some, serious? some riot in, in, in Derry in Good 1970 Lord. or something, you have to go to London and pay money for it. RT do it. Oh. <laughs> after, after owning it. Absolutely. They haven't a clue about uh, selling internationally, their, even their good shows and stuff, you know? Yeah, no, that I was mean, something I think we, they've caught on yeah. now, but... but a little uh, bit. It's a slow realisation, but there is... a lot is, of work uh, to be done in the yeah. uh, Especially in the online platforms. And even though it keeps... You know, it it always feels like this is going to be the year. Then they it always happens that it's like, why? How are we not up to speed with this yet? You know, yeah, online the, the, stuff. The, in, the 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 in-house TV producers, mm. series producers, used to be very good at giving people starts, like you know, yeah. and um, they're kind of there was some reorganization around the international and uh, not the international, the uh, independent production unit, yeah, uh, and that kind of took away their purchasing power to yeah. try out people so it got more orientated towards producers and so yeah. a lot of the independent animators I think got lost out by the IPU and I think in, in RTE and more, more, more recent as well the Iona Institute uh, payout also seems to have kind of hobbled them in, in like making any kind of transgressive mm. stuff as well do you know well, they, they, they also um, they were absolutely then no good for animation until um, Shilita Kersey came along okay right and I mean they wouldn't give you a letter to say we're interested, not, yeah. not committing, committing them. Yeah, you couldn't get a letter often saying we would like. So when you went to places like Cartoon Forum, if you were t- making TV series, mm. um, people say, "So what's what is, what is your national TV?" That would be the first thing they'd say in Europe. Right, and you go, "Well, uh, we haven't contacted them yet," and they go, well, "That's weird." Or yeah, yeah, she didn't want you knew them. You know, you didn't want to say, "Yeah, we contacted them, and we're still waiting for a letter." They would think, yeah. "Well, they mustn't like you so." Yeah, the conversation yeah. wouldn't go any further. And then Shirley De Cor- Sh- Sheila de Corsi came along and went, you know, yeah, well, I'll write a letter for you. And the best yeah. thing, I think she went over to Cartoon Forum and stuff. You wow. know, she took an interest. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, everybody was gobsmacked, you know, that, you know, someone in RT is interested. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Even that level of, you know, because, you know, there's kind of a, there was a definite laziness about it. Mm. Apart, from, apart from the in-house producers, like people around TV series. Yeah. Uh, they were, you know, looking for creative content, but um, most people in RT weren't looking for creative content. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, that's a whole other thing, because I really want to know more yeah, about that too. from RT. To oh my about. God, I would adore that. Yeah, no, because, I mean, um, we did enough bitching about the show that I had on RT that I'm eager to get, like, an actual balanced opinion. Mm. <laughs> Add some balance to it. Well, I mean, when I say bitching, it wasn't that bad. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think we'll wrap up. And uh, the thing that we do is uh, whistle while you work. finish it off so have you thought of any albums oh, <laughs> or um podcasts that you are no, particularly into at the moment? podcasts i've, I've really? tried to uh, and i haven't um uh, you know i keep hearing about really good ones um including this one and uh, but what was i going to say yeah music the thing about me and music is is that when i'm working and i have music on yeah uh, you know, an hour and a half goes by. I've gone into the zone, and I realise the music's finished. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I must have been working hard because I can't yeah, hear yeah, it. Yeah. I didn't. I, I stopped hearing it. But I notice I've gone back retro, very retro lately. Yeah, back to Neil Young and Bob Dylan and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Well, it's that's all. That's because also there's a you know a kind of. Um, I remember that somebody had, when I went to. 
somebody was saying that a, a good thing to study to is things without lyrics and stuff you know but other good thing to kind of be doing work to is stuff that's kind of got this I don't want to say the same, but like a very similar kind of sound throughout and also long drawn out sounds. So it's kind of not like sharp blasts of stuff that's really distracting you, do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the last thing I worked with too with was, uh, wasn't that retro actually. It was, mm. I think they're 90s uh, new French jazz, I think it was called, or new jazz uh, Saint Germain. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's just, it was just this kind of very laid back jazzy thing going on. Yeah, that's, you know, um, sometimes I'll well, be listening to things without lyrics and I was like, I'm part of a montage in a movie. <laughs> yeah, if you, listen, if you want me to come to a name, the last yeah. people I worked with was Saint-Germain. Cool. Rose Rouge and what was the other one? There was another famous one they did back in the day. Again, you were probably just a little fella. Uh, uh, let me just look up. I'm just going to look up my playlist real quick and see what the latest thing I was listening to because I have I've run out of podcasts because I always recommend a podcast and now I'm like okay I'm I clearly I can't listen to more podcasts because I'm I'm at breaking point now. Um, God, where is this playlist? I'm going to cut all the stammering out. Um, yeah, I was actually I was I hear I guess there's two for now. I was listening to a podcast, um, Adam uh, Buxton's podcast, which is actually very good. Actually, he did an interview with uh, a two-part interview with Brian Eno, which was oh, amazing. And one of the one one half was about his career, and the other one was just about general stuff. And Brian Eno gets into hmm? about art as well. Sure. Oh yeah, and it's a it's a very thoughtful kind of thing. And he had a great thing. I was, we were talking about the last day, which is uh, the people that you don't think of that facilitate art, because he was even saying that he has somebody he comes in at like eight o'clock and there's into his studio and he has this guy there who's like he's already he's set up like you know tea and things like oh this and, and he's just saying like you know there's his pencils Shops. yeah pencils. exactly i mean like but he was saying that you forget about these people that are there to facilitate a creative environment as well make sure that stuff happens yeah, 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 yeah. and it could be any level you know he was just using this person as an example but he was like without that person you wouldn't have the thing that you liked you mm -hmm. know so he mentioned it in regards like uh, how you know with the velvet underground it's like oh you know i love lou reed or i love uh, uh john john kale but he's like but without all of those people together people, then yeah. yeah so but anyway yeah um so the adam buxton podcast he had on um that's a great podcast but he had on uh, james acaster who recommended jeff rosenstock and i listened to the first track off of worry and i thought that was very good so i guess i'll give a shout out to that even though i'm stealing somebody else's recommendation so um yeah, where can people find you if you want them, if you want to be found? Well, I'll be at the Film Fire this year. Okay, and, cool. Um, don't use my IADT email yeah. because I don't really access it that much. Uh, yeah. But because uh, I teach in IADT, um, we didn't mention that. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's how I know you get. Yeah. And um, what's the other thing? Um, I, have a web, I have a website. My yeah. details are on that www www.stevewoods.ie oh. so yeah you can get me there very cool and we're on www.wearehackinc.com and yeah and then we're on at we are Hack Inc. on twitter and most social media and you already know the podcast because you're listening to it so um yeah until next time bye someone's gonna bleed and triple trails in the snow stretch into the box from an overstuffed home Beg to explode
said to me This decade's gonna be fucked Our friends will disappear After they fall in love Like it's a careless mistake And you fuckheads complain Because you like to complain Like a blame rock and roll When it's just the champagne That keeps me 